Hi everyone, I'm Asma and I'm happy to welcome you to our PwC Workforce podcast series, which today will be linking ESG goals to executive pay. We hear a lot nowadays about ESG, right? ESG stands for environment, social and governance. Three factors to analyze and communicate about the sustainability and societal impact of companies. In fact, public pressure and changing norms are paving the way for business leaders to be paid based on a new set of criteria. So including ESG metrics in executive pay packages is a tangible way to close the SEDU gap for a skeptical audience, but it is of course not without its challenges. So I'm happy to welcome today Aurore and Bart, two of my colleagues working around reward design, who will provide you with their insights on this topic. Aurore, my first question is for you. In your experience, why is ESG important? Well, Asma, investors look more and more at a company's performance against these three factors, as they are increasingly seen as indicators of the future ability to create long-term value and sustainable returns for a diverse group of stakeholders. Isn't it, Bart? I agree with you, Aurore. Leading companies view ESG issues as a business imperative and no longer as a nice-to-have. They manage risk while capitalizing on opportunities, including a vision for the future and setting themselves up for the prosperity of the organization. Thank you, Bart and Aurore. Now let's take a step back. Did you see an evolution of ESG over the last few years? Aurore, maybe? Sure. Decades ago, companies began implementing internal initiatives more related to boost ideals, and that morphed into corporate social responsibility, or what we called CSR. This added already environmental sustainability, ethics, and equity into defining good citizenry among businesses. CSR programs showed that doing good proved to be good for business as well, Um, And actually, CSI is a precursor of ESG, which aims to make a business accountable, while ESG is more the quantifiable measure of a company's sustainability and social impact using metrics that matter to investors. Mm. Thanks, Aurore. Well, Bart, uh, am I right to say that these gains were in fact not explicitly linked to pay? That's correct, Asma. A lot of clients back then, and still today, are struggling because it is hard to measure the actual performance. But that is changing now. Recently, the World Economic Forum, in coordination with the Big Four, published guidelines on internationally agreed-upon metrics for tracking and disclosing short-term and long-term ESG goals and targets just over more than a year ago. Mm, Interesting. Uh, I assume that at the level of Europe also things are changing, right? Yes, indeed. For example, in April earlier this year, the European Union formalized the ESG reporting requirements for both asset managers and medium to large businesses, as well as the draft social taxonomy, which gave the signals that the European Commission is expanding scope and prioritizing uh, yes alongside the E. As you know, the green taxonomy was also published earlier this year. However, more to come as it is expected that the finalized report of the social taxonomy will be submitted for review later this year. 
Okay. And and what is the S in ESG actually? I mean, we may say that the environmental aspect of ESG is in most case, cases well understood. Uh, we are all aware of the need to reduce our consumptions of natural resources, to recycle more and reduce carbon emissions, but we are perhaps less familiar with the social element of sustainability. Bart, could you maybe give some examples to make it more concrete here? Sure, Asma. Although my list may not be exhaustive and not all topics are of equal importance or relevance for every organization, socially or financially, the social aspect of ESG includes, for example, labor law practices and human rights, human capital development, so people growth, diversity and inclusion, workforce well-being and safety, equal pay and opportunities, etc. However, it is up to boards to define what is important and find the best way to balance the interest of its stakeholders and communicate their intent. On these items and in relation to pay, we have typically a deeper discussion with our clients about how this matters and could impact their business. Mm, thanks, Bart. That brings us back to the reward aspect, because I assume that also choosing ESG measures for pay requires boards to bring together insights from different areas. That is right, Asma. Insights from operational teams, the sustainability function and finance, for example, are typically required to look at the future from an unconventional and sometimes uncomfortable lens. It requires the company to understand its purpose and the practicalities of adding ESG to pay metrics. Many companies are squaring up to figure this out, but this is not an easy exercise. Mm, I can imagine. And do you have a framework available when choosing ESG measures for pay? Yes, well, typically we look at four dimensions of ESG remuneration being internal and external targets, individual KPIs and scorecards, LTIPs or long-term incentive plans and annual bonus. And lastly, of course, the underpines and scale targets. That's very clear. Thank you, Bart. And if we take internal and external targets that you just mentioned, Bart, are there preferences from an outside view perspective? Well, input measures are internal targets that the company uses to benchmark itself. They are measured by activities that lead toward the stakeholder outcome not by the outcome itself. On the other hand, output measures are external targets based on measures. Although both types of measures are valid, assuming, of course, that the companies are able to collect, analyze, and communicate the data that support the assessments, whether the targets have been met, uh, we see an increasing investor pressure for output-focused rewards. Thank you, Aurore. Uh, back to the four dimensions you just mentioned earlier, Bart. If we now take a look at KPIs, I would assume less is more, correct? <laughs> well, it actually depends, Asma. It, it is actually all about finding a balance between the scorecard being sufficiently comprehensive to capture the range of ESG priorities on the one hand and becoming so complex as to be unmanageable on the other hand. However, sometimes a company will have one or two critical ESG issues that tower above the others with a few essential KPIs, but this, this may not be the case for every company. But I agree that complexity destroys value, especially in bonus schemes, so certainly a point of attention when designing the new scheme.
Thank you, Bart. You just referred to a bonus. So if we take a look at variable pay, we typically see short-term annual bonuses, but also incentives over a longer period of time. In practice, what will be the most effective? Aurore may be here. That is a challenging question, Asma. When we take a look at our 2020 report on corporate governance and executive pay trends in Belgium, we notice that environmental indicators continue to gain importance in the long-term incentives. This makes sense, as typically these types of goals are long-term oriented, and typically on a longer horizon than the vesting period of the long-term incentive itself. Moreover, we also saw that the proportion of long-term incentives to short-term incentives and base pay increased as well. However, overall, uh, the importance of non-financial uh, versus financial indicators remains low. We are currently working on the 2021 report, so more news to come later this year, whether these trends remain uh, or whether new trends should be identified. Looking forward to the next publication then. Thank you, Aurore. Um, am I right to assume that even if the right KPIs are identified, the, the work itself is not yet finished? Bart's maybe? That is right, Asma. One of the most difficult elements of the exercise is identifying how to determine success will be critical. On the one hand, targets should be stretched to avoid it is seen as a gateway to receive bonuses. But on the other hand, the targets should be feasible to support the desired behavior and ensure that the perceived value of the viable pay is not over discounted from the perspective of the beneficiary. So, Establish, establishing and achieving ESG goals drive value and are often simply the right thing to do. We expect in our next report to see more of it, but as said during this podcast, it needs to be done with care and thought as it's difficult to do as well. Thank you so much, Aurore and Bart, for sharing your insights on linking ESG goals to executive compensation. Based on what we discussed, I think Boards and remuneration committees need to become familiar with all this dimension and understand how executive pay is aligned with the company's stated purposes. They will clearly need to clarify the reasons for linking compensation to ESG targets, including, of course, the benefits of achieving certain goals. In other words, I would say it is the moment, the time to review the design of the executive compensation package. So thank you again, Aurore and Bart. Thanks to all the listeners. Stay tuned on the different platforms and our website for the next edition. Wishing you a nice day.